0: in Matthew 22 1 to 14 today and I encourage you to listen closely take notes as we said I don't have any slides for you today I'm going to try and work through the sermon kind of fast today as it is also communion Sunday and we also now have Sunday school after service as well and then some of you like to make it to lunch we continue in this series of the great conversationalists. When Jesus spoke in parables, we continue to look to short stories of Jesus. And however short they may be, they are mighty in meaning and application for our lives. In fact, I think of another one in this church who, when he comes to Bible studies, he always says at the end, but that's great, Pastor Patrick, or that's great, Tim, or whoever is teaching. He says, but what's the application? What does God want us to do with this? I see him shaking his head. He knows who I'm talking about. We started this series looking to the sower, the parable of the sower. We moved on to the parable of the unforgiving servant. Then we looked at the old and new wineskins. Thank you, Pastor Chuck. We talked about salt and light. We talked about foundations and building your life upon solid ground, the solid rock. Jesus Christ is Lord. And today, as we continue kind of in this series of beginning faith, maturing in faith, and looking forward to the end with God, we look to invitations. We look to the parable of the wedding feast found in Matthew 22:1 1 to 14. Today, we see the wedding feast. We see that all are invited to hear the gospel, to hear the good news, but few will come to accept it. We see that Jesus is Lord. We see that there is kingdom living. We see that there is an invitation, but not all choose to come or not all are chosen. We see that many are called, but few will choose. And we look today at this feast. Here's the big idea I want you to write down if you're taking notes. The big idea is this. Nothing in your life is more important than accepting and responding to God's invitation and will. Let me say that once again. Nothing in your life is more important than accepting and responding to God's invitation and will. And I know I'm going to speak fast today, no slides, so if you struggle with the notes, email me, I'll fill you in, I'll get you a copy. But again, once more, nothing in your life is more important than accepting and responding to God's invitation and will. And if I was to tag on one little part to that, one little line I would say, And following him... And his ways as Savior and King, Lord, Lord. So let's read from Matthew 22, 1 to 14. Please follow along in your Bibles. There's Bibles in front of you as well. Um, Matthew 22. And I'm going to go to the spot I love right on the edge and make some people think I'm going to fall. One of these days I will. And you all laugh and it'll be good, right? Matthew 22, 1 to 14, and we have this story from Jesus, which says, And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Now notice again, we're comparing the kingdom of heaven to this story. We've got a godly message here, a godly story, and he says, The king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, But they would not come. Again, he sent other servants saying, Tell those who are invited. See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen, my fat calves have been slaughtered. And everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. Verse 5 of Matthew 22. But they paid no attention and went off one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry. Wouldn't you be? And he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Verse 8. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready. But those who were, who were invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. Verse 11 of Matthew 22. But when the king came in to look at the guest, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. And in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Thank you for following along there thank you for looking it up thank you for listening and now let's talk about what does this mean let's put it into some context and let's find that application as well you see the passage we just read is a parable told by jesus about a king that invites all the people of the kingdom or well not all the yet but a select people group of the kingdom to a wedding feast that he is holding for his son now back in jesus's day back in these times An invitation of the king from the king with a great honor. Now, it might be thought of like today. If you're invited by a great king today, by a president, by a role model, or somebody that you look greatly up to, you would take this, this invitation very seriously. It was to be honored. You might even take that invitation, if you're that creative type, and put it in a scrapbook to remember for all of eternity. You see, the custom was to send two invitations. The first invitation was to tell everybody that the event was coming. The event was being planned. Kind of like getting that wedding invite, that reception invite, that graduation party invite. Here is the date. Here is the time. Here is the location. Here is what we're going to be doing. Maybe here is what you you should bring or how you should be prepared. It was to let everybody know what was coming. But then there was a second invite. And sometimes we do that today too. Not as often. We just send that first invite and expect everybody to come. But there is a second invite then to tell everybody, everyone that was invited, that it is ready. Come. Come forth. Enjoy the bounty. Enjoy this slaughtered calf. Enjoy the meat. Enjoy the fun games. Enjoy the take-home prizes. And we do that some today too when that day comes and if you're like me and you're afraid, oh no, everybody's going to forget because they're so busy. Maybe send out a Facebook message, maybe send out a text, maybe send a phone call. Hey, are you coming? Or maybe you're worried as everybody's arriving late. Is anybody actually coming? So you call them. Well, this is what the king does. He sends a second invite to tell people now is the time to come. And Jesus spoke and said in verses two to three, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast. But they would not come. The invitation was extended here in verse 3 with the second invitation. They had already received a first invite. It's important to notice that. But then the second invite comes... And they're refusing to come. They're not showing up. They're not taking their commitment seriously. And the king has everything ready. Now, this was more than just bad news. This is more than just rude. This is more than just discourteous. It was considered an outright rebellion against the king. And the king was patient. He was loving. In fact, he would send a third invitation, more than merciful, more than graceful, He obviously really wanted them to come, but then he sends a third invitation, and what we see is the messengers get a variety of responses to this invitation. Some just neglected to come. Others said that they were too busy with their business affairs, with their farming, with their work, maybe with some pleasures. We're adding a little bit into there, though, but it does say they were too busy with business or with farms, with work. Some went to the extreme to actually persecute and murder, kill the king's messengers. And that's why, as we read on, we say that the, we see that the king sent other servants, new servants. And those servants, I don't think that's the same servants. He had to get some new servants, some new workers. This king had patience with these people, but the patience had reached its limit. So, the king does what? The king ends up sending his army to destroy those who had destroyed his messengers, had rebelled against him, and not come to his party. But they did the first act. They rebelled. They killed his messengers. The feast was ready, though. And I'm almost done summarizing this story, and then we'll get into our five points for the day. But the feast was ready. So in order to supply it with guests, he tells his messengers to go back out. Go back out now and find anyone who would come and invite them to the feast. Go to the main road. Go to where all these people are and tell them of this great feast I have and tell them the king invites you and wants you to come. And I think there was a sense of urgency here. Come now because the feast is already ready. So we see that they invited everyone. And I don't think there was any type of of looking to what wealth class they came from, what social class they came from, what moral character they came from, what race, what nationality, what gender. They were just told to go to the main road and invite everyone. So in saying this, I think it's important to see that the custom back then was for the king to provide garments, wedding garments, proper attire for those needed. And I think this is for a few reasons. One, to make sure they were properly dressed. But two, as we see Jesus in, in speaking this message has a purpose that we can't just come to God and expect our own works to save us, expect our own works to allow us into the kingdom of God. We need the works of Christ. We need to put on his work upon that wonderful cross, his righteousness, his blood, His new covenant through grace is what saves. But then there's a third reason here why this wedding garment would be provided. If you notice, they were told, Go therefore to the main roads and invite everyone to the wedding feast, as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. I don't think they had time to go home. I don't think they had time to go into the village and find some nice attire, some nice dresses, some nice bow ties, and get properly attired. The king had garments to provide for them. But then we see the banquet is going. He has new guests. The halls are filled. And we see that later the king arrives on the scene. And when he entered the feast, he found a man that had refused to wear the wedding garments that had been provided by the king. When questioned about why he had refused to wear them, the man stood speechless. Speechless, no answer, no reason, the king had the man removed then, cast out of the celebration. Now it goes into more detail here, but before we go further, let me say one question that we need to answer in order to understand this parable is why did Jesus teach this? Why are we reading this story about a kingdom being compared to a king, God's kingdom and kingdom living being compared to a king and his son's wedding um, celebration, a king's reception. What does this all mean? And if you go back to chapter 21, you'll find that Jesus is teaching in the temple. And he is concerned by the religious leaders who demand to know by what authority he is teaching and doing all the things that he is doing. And then Jesus exposes their hypocrisy And then follows up with these parables. Jesus says in Matthew 21, verse 31 to 32, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did believe him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. Jesus tells these parables, all concerning the religious leader's rejection of God's invitation. And yet, then we see the invitation goes out to the many who come. One Bible commentator said of this scripture, The king in this parable represents God the Father, and the Son is Jesus himself. The messengers were sent forth as the Old Testament prophets and as John the Baptist. The people rejected the invitation were the religious leaders of the day. And then the others that were allowed to enter the feast are society's outcasts, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the Gentiles, and all the other sinners are invited in now to the king's reception. And as we see at the beginning, it says, Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to this king's wedding feast. Now, there's five things I want you to see from this story. Number one is this. The gospel receives different responses. The gospel receives many different responses. You see, everybody is invited, but few will come. First of all, those that go out to extend God's invitation to his kingdom can expect a variety of responses. As you, people of God's kingdom, believers, followers after Christ, go out to share with people the good news of Christ, to invite them to church, or to invite them to a Bible study, or just to invite them to trust in the Lord as as Savior, you're going to get different responses. Now, some of the responses that these people received are responses you may get as well. Some simply ignored the invitation. Oh, sure, yeah, that's, you know, I'll come to that, but then they really didn't come. There's many today who don't give the needs to their soul any attention. They say, yeah, sure, uh uh-huh, that's great, but then they don't actually come. There's many today who know that it's good, they know that it's right, but they don't want to give up their daily living of, of their own pleasures to submit to the Lord's righteous ways. There's many in today's living who think, well, I'll do that later. i got plenty of time. I'll do that later. But we know from God's word that our time is limited before God calls us all home, before Jesus comes in the twinkling of an eye. Some think that just because they don't believe that there is a judgment or an afterlife, that it will keep it from being true. But no, we know from God's word that one day they will find themselves standing before God himself, and they'll be wishing that they took the time to have a relationship with him through Jesus. Others in the story neglected to go to the feast because they were too busy. And maybe they thought they had good excuses. Verse 5 states that one went to his farm and another to his business. And it may seem strange to us to ignore a king's invite and we think to ourselves, wow, if I got an invitation to the king of England's party today, and I don't even know who the king of England is, but I'd be saying, wow, I can invite to a king's party. I need to drop everything. I need to make plans. I need to get an airplane ticket. I need to get over there. Why did they not take this seriously? But then we look to our lives, and then we look to other people's lives who we know do not know Jesus. Because they don't truly know Jesus is Lord, they also do not have a restored relationship with their Father in Heaven. And we see that even ourselves are to blame in not taking this invite seriously. It's strange to ignore a king's invite, but people do it every day. We ignore the importance of the king's invite every day as we think so many other things are more important. There's a lot of people in our nation today that are just too busy to worry about their need for salvation. It can come later. How many people did we pass on our way to church this morning who maybe you saw them driving on the highway or, and you wondered, I wonder where they're going. Are they going to church? Are they going on vacation? Are they going to work? Are they going to the lake to still do some ice fishing, which I think is crazy? How many houses did we pass by? Or how many friends do we know who are at home sleeping in their beds? instead of being at church how many people do you know are not just sleeping on a sunday morning but sleeping every single day of their lives instead of putting the responsibility and the needs of their spiritual life of greater importance than the physical pleasures of the day you see all are invited but few accept the invitation and follow through and when it's warmer outside i know you've been there i know i'm there every summer you You're on your way to church or you're on your way to a Bible study and you see all these people mowing their lawns on the lake in their boat, fishing, doing other things. Now, I'm trying not to be too judgmental, though, here, and we all need to be careful because we don't know. Maybe they went to a Saturday night service. Maybe they're part of a small group service. Maybe they're part of a home church. We don't know, but what prevents us from asking? What prevents us from extending that invite into other people's lives? And then especially what prevents us from taking the invite that we've received seriously. In the book of James, we are warned that our lives are like a vapor, present for a little while, but soon gone. We need to take the time to take our spiritual lives seriously. And we need to take the time to understand that other people's spiritual lives are also in need of a Savior. We must invite others to church. Not caring about what they look like, not caring about what class they are, not caring about whether or not we're going to be yelled at to get off the grass. That's an older illustration, some of you will remember. Or being told to get off their property. Not being afraid of somebody chasing you down with a, with a shoe over the head throwing at you because you just walked up and bite them. We need to not be afraid like that man in that video at the beginning of service to pull up to Mrs. Johnson's house, made that name up, and say, Mrs. Johnson, why don't you hop in? I'll take you to church with me. Or to sharing it on Facebook or the YouTube channel to somebody that you know that that feels safer at home during this time. Share with them the good news. Or maybe it's not church service at all, because church service isn't what saves you. Jesus is what saves you. Ask somebody if they know the Lord. Don't allow the fear of rejection to to prevent you from talking to them about the one way to truth, the one way to life, the one way to eternal living and salvation through Jesus. Persecution is always a possibility. Persecution does not change the fact, though, that we all have an obligation. We all have a privilege. We all have a responsibility to invite others to become part of this kingdom. And accept the invite for ourselves. Number two. So number one again was the gospel receives different responses. Number two as we work through this. We see that the gospel invites everyone. The king sent out his servants and told them. Invite everyone you see on that main road. Bring them to the party. I have this great banquet prepared. They don't need to prepare anything. Just as our kingdom living. Just as God invites us. He says I've already prepared the sacrifice. I've already prepared Jesus. I've already prepared the way for you to have new life in him. You don't need to do all these things of the past. You don't need to earn your way to salvation. You don't need to provide your own sacrifice. You just need to accept the one that I've already given. The gospel invites everyone. We should note that everyone is invited to enter God's kingdom. Now, I know we could get in debates right here on predestination and election and who are the chosen. But you know what I believe? We need to just spread the gospel to all of creation and let God sort it out. Few will accept. Few will come. But we need to make sure the invitation is out there. Make sure the invitation is out there. The religious leaders of the day were invited. But so were the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the Gentiles. The invitation is still open today, and it doesn't matter who you are, what wealth class you come from, what social class, what nationality you are, what language you speak. God desires a relationship with all of you your family, your friends, your neighbors. Your neighbors is the world, your neighbors is everyone. God does not discriminate, God just wants you to trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, be faithful to Him. John 3, 16 reminds us that God so loved the world, they gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And then in the last chapter of the Bible, in Revelation 22, 17, we read this. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. The price is paid. Through Jesus. No one is excluded. God is not not preventing you from coming because you have a past. He wants you to come too. This means that we should not limit our evangelistic efforts to any certain people group either. I would hope and pray that all of you here today know Christ is Lord. But I would also challenge you to think when was the last time you told somebody about Christ being your Lord? And then challenge you forward to just think, why are you not sharing this truth with people you come into contact with? God gives us opportunities every single day to tell somebody about the hope that is within us. And then I would challenge some churches and some Bible studies and some groups with this too. I've heard of churches That a past law is prohibiting people from coming to church have tattoos. Or prohibiting people from coming to church if they don't have one certain translation of the Bible. Or from prohibiting people from coming to church if they don't wear a suit and a tie or a dress. If you're here today or if you're watching today on the live stream, I want to encourage you to know that Jesus wants you to come to him now. Every single day of your life, Jesus wants you to come to him. Jesus doesn't want you applying your problems, your struggles, your past sins to your life and saying, I'm not worthy. Because it's not about you being worthy, it's about Christ being worthy. And it's in him and his righteousness that you're saved. I need to move forward though. Number three, before I get through one statement, man does not determine your worth, God does. Through Christ. Through Christ. Will you identify as one of his own? Number three, the gospel is on God's terms. The gospel is on God's terms. Thirdly, we need to understand that we need to respond to the invitation on God's terms, not on our own. Everyone was invited. But to be admitted, they had to choose to put on the wedding garment that was provided by the king. Now, at first thought, this might have seemed kind of kind of cruel. Wow, the king said to invite everybody, but now he's casting out this person that chose not to wear the garment. But when we're thinking about kingdom living, when we're thinking about God's kingdom, it has great application. You see, if we try to enter God's kingdom wearing our own righteousness, our own works, our own glory, or for just uh, the appearance of being in his kingdom, but not truly meaning it, because we don't want to truly submit to him, we don't want to live according to his ways, or maybe we're just there to bust the party. Well then we will be cast out. Because the Bible says that our righteousness is like filthy rags in God's sight. But it goes on to say in Isaiah 61, and this is great, Isaiah 61, 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, my soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. It goes on to say, He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress. And as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. We don't need our own works to make it to heaven. It's good because we never could be. Because even in all of our self-righteousness, it's seen as filthy rags. But the blood of Christ, the blood of Christ is a new covenant. One based not upon works of our own, but based upon the works of Christ. Based upon grace and mercy and love of God there are some who believe that they're good enough to enter God's kingdom based upon their own good works but it's not true because none are righteous not one we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God there are some who think that they're enter the kingdom of God simply because of their own family's faith their mom and dad's faith because of a relative because they came to church on a Sunday because they came to a bible study or home study or a camp But that's not what matters. What matters is God wants you to make the choice. God wants you to say, Jesus, I need you because I am a sinner in need of a savior. And to turn from the wicked ways, the sinful ways, and follow his ways. He wants to justify you today by Christ and to sanctify you daily to be more like Jesus. To be in him and new. And number four, rejecting the gospel results in eternal punishment. We see, next, as much as we don't like to see see it, that there is consequences to a life filled with sin. There is consequences to not following after God as Lord and Savior. There is consequences to not following His righteous ways. And even if we we accept the Lord as Lord and Savior, even if we, we do that but we continue to sin, there are still consequences, and it doesn't always mean that you're not a true believer, it doesn't mean you're not a true follower. It doesn't mean that God doesn't reserve that place for you, but it does mean that you're going to have struggles every single day because you're continuing to beat heads and bash with God's ways compared to the world's ways. And I guarantee you the best ways are always God's ways. Rejecting the gospel results in eternal punishment. And we see this here, that the king sent his army to destroy those who rebelled against his invitation, who murdered his messengers, and even the person who chose to come to the feast but put not on the wedding garments was there just for appearances. He cast him out. God is patient. God is loving. God is kind. God is merciful. But there will be a day when there's no more time, no more chance. So we must take this invitation seriously. We must invite our neighbors, invite our friends, invite our loved ones, invite our enemies, invite all people to see the glory of God and the love of God through Christ Jesus is Lord, to see how they can have a helper in the spirit. You see, once you leave this life, there is no second chances. You'll be judged. We'll all be judged, and God will see not our works, but he'll see Jesus. Did you accept him? Did you follow after him? Did you trust in him as Lord and Savior? Did you seek repentance, forgiveness, or did you think you had all the answers on your own? Five, the final point, yes, it's coming to the end, is responding to the gospel results in eternal life. Finally, you should learn that nothing in your life, remember that big idea we started with, we're ending with it, Nothing in your life is more important than accepting and responding to God's invitation and will and daily following him and his ways. If you didn't write that down at the beginning, here you have the chance to write it down again. Nothing in your life is more important than accepting and responding to God's invitation and will and daily following him and his ways. And part of that way is if you've accepted that invite, If you live with him, if you live with that promise of that banquet, a king's reception, love, grace, mercy, well, then we need to spread that invitation. Go to all creation, go to all the worlds, all the earth, all the continents, all the countries. Start with your neighbors. Start with your family. Start with your friends. Tell them about the invite that you have. Tell them about the hope you have, the love you have. Tell them about godly living kingdom living you see some of the people in this story rejected the invitation because they were too busy with their farms with their businesses with other things some of these people just neglected it some of these people responded to the messengers wrongly and even killed them but it doesn't mean that we don't still have the responsibility accept the invite spread the invite accept the invite spread the invite the most important thing in your life is your relationship with God. You see, Jesus Christ is Lord over all the world. Whether it's accepted by somebody or not doesn't mean it's not true. We all need Jesus. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. Your friends need Jesus. We all need this. We all need to trust in him. We all need to run to him. So I ask you, especially family members, friends, children who just have come to church because of your family, because of your parents, have you truly said these words? Have you truly trusted in Jesus? Have you ever, have you truly said, Lord, I submit to you. I need your forgiveness. Please, Lord, forgive me. Please guide me in your ways that I might have everlasting life through Jesus as Lord and Savior. Have you prayed a prayer? Did you pray it just to be heard? Or do you pray it and mean it? Have you asked somebody else about Jesus? Nothing is more important than knowing him. Do you know him today? Have you accepted the invite? Have you spread the invitation? I'm going to pray and then we're going to have a song and I'm sorry, we're going to get to communion just a few minutes late. I mean, it's not communion Sunday school, but we're going to have communion after a song. So worship band, please come up here.